Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Father, we just thank you for encountering us this morning. For your presence, Lord, that in your word you promised that you would always be with us, Lord, and you are with us. You're with us now, but you're with us every moment of every day, Lord. I just pray that that would be so real to us, Lord, that wherever we are, that we would know that you are present working in and through us, Lord, that we would give ourselves as a whole sacrifice to you to be used for your glory, your honor, your power, your praise. We pray that the light of Jesus Christ would shine through us. Father, Jesus said he would send us the Holy Spirit to reveal all truth to us. Father, we just we invite him uh, in our presence this morning to, to reveal truth. Lord, as your scripture is read, as your word is read, that we would receive revelation. and That we would be transformed by the power of your word. You promised it would go forth and it would not return void. Lord, let your word produce in us. Lord, to return a hundredfold. Lord, we give you all glory and honor and power and praise this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. We are so glad that you've chosen to worship together with us this morning. If you're a guest, welcome. We're finishing up the Patient Faith series today. Uh, We've been looking at James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 uh, for this series. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. James outlines how patience is produced through the testing of our faith in this passage. And we're going to take a look at it one more time as we get started this morning. James 1, 2 through 4. He said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing Before we dig into this passage again, we're going to take another look at the definition of patience and trials that we find in this passage. And as we do, we're going to uh, put our focus on a different word of that definition. Uh, It's on the aspect of constancy. So we'll look at the definition of patience first. It says it's steadfastness, constancy, and endurance. And it's the characteristic of a person who is not swerved from their deliberate purpose and loyalty to their faith by even the greatest trials and sufferings. That portion of not being swerved from our deliberate purpose is constancy. And with that in mind, let's take a look again at the definition of trials. Trials are temptations, both inward and outward, a proving, a trial of our integrity, virtue, and constancy, seeing what you are made of in the middle of adversity, affliction, and trouble. So a trial can be a proving of our constancy in the middle of adversity, affliction, trouble, suffering. One aspect is that uh, those trials and those troubles and those afflictions, they check to see if we will not be swerved from our deliberate purpose. How committed are we to what we've committed to is the question. And in this case, James is saying the object of that test is our faith. 
I'm sure we can all think of a time when we had our mind made up about something or we had committed to a decision and then the circumstances changed and our decision started to get tested. If the decision was made through prayer and we felt like that it was led of by God, the question that we have to ask ourselves is were we able to stick with it? Were we able to persevere with that commitment and that decision to the end? We never know how God intends to unfold his plans. One of the key things that we have talked about in this series is trusting him even when it doesn't make sense. As I was uh, putting this message together, I was reminded of uh, 2018 and 2019 when uh, the elders felt God was leading us to build the NCC West building. And that building we felt was uh, God was calling us to build that for our children and youth ministries and not just for those who are already involved in our church, but to minister to the entire community. And so we knew that God had called us to do that, and we started making plans toward that. Well, we were ready to get started and basically start on the foundation right at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. And I remember when, when that happened and it hit uh, and the, the first Sunday of, of services that, that we had when it was just virtual, in that first week, our, our normal tithes and offerings were a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what, of what they normally were. Well, one main reason is nobody was here. And so I remember praying that week and asking God, are we supposed to continue this? Or are we, you know, maybe you told us to do that and prepare and save, and this money has been built up to take us through this storm. And God said, no, I told you to do it. And I, I went back to our elders and said, I really feel like God's saying we're just supposed to keep going. And from the very beginning, when God told us to do it and told us to build it uh, without getting a loan and just, just paying for it as we go, we really thought it would take us five or so years to build it. And we'd, we'd broken it up in phases. And uh, God hadn't spoken that part. He just said, do it and don't, don't take out any loans. And so we had what we needed to do that very first phase. And God spoke very clear. I told you to do it. Do it. But what I, what I want to point out in this, and, and, and many of you, not all of you probably know how it turned out. I mean, it's there. But we, we really thought, like I said, it might take us up to five years. And God did it in about two years. We never stopped. We never stopped a phase. And he just paid through it the whole way until it was done. And so he provided that. But he didn't tell us that's how he was going to do it beforehand. And the, the, the key of this message this morning is that we're obedient to what God has called us to do or said, and that we stay committed to that decision. We stay committed to the word that God's spoken to us, regardless of the circumstances, regardless the trials and adversities that we face in that process. And what I want you to know this morning is that could have turned out so different, and it still could have been God's plan. We could have taken five years to build it. We could have totally run out of money. We could have had to let people go on the staff. I mean, there could have been all kinds of circumstances that we may have had to struggle through before that got done. And it wouldn't mean that God hadn't said to do it that way. We can't look at those circumstances and those trials and and decide, well, we missed it or we got it right. We just have to trust God in the word that he's given us and follow through it. And that's what, what this, this word and that constancy is saying is when God has spoken and when we have committed to a decision, will we stay faithful? 
regardless of the circumstances and the attacks and the adversities that come along the way. What did God tell you to do? Be faithful in that. If you have a pen and paper, get it out right now because you're going to want to write this next point down. Before I share it with you, I want to ask you a question, though. Would you like to know God's pattern for getting things done? How he works? Would you like to understand how God works? Then get ready. Here we go. This is God's pattern for working things out in our lives and in the world around us. God does things consistently inconsistent. You can count on it. You can take that to the bank. You can trust it. We would all love it, or at least we think we would love it, if there was a step-by-step method that God worked in. Every time. Wouldn't our life be easier if he did the same thing the same way over and over and over? If that were the case, though, we wouldn't need faith, would we? We started this series by looking at the woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years. And this morning we're going to look at several other encounters that Jesus had with individuals who needed a healing. And what we're going to see in each one of these accounts is that they are all unique. And we could look at many more instances where Jesus uh, worked in people's lives and healed them in the New Testament. And what we would find is proof of this statement. God's pattern is consistent in consistency. We're going to start out by looking in John chapter 9, where Jesus healed the man that had been born blind. As he passed by, it says, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. I just want to highlight a couple things in this passage. First of all, how would you like to be sitting by the side of the road, minding your own business? You've been blind your whole life. You're just begging and hoping for enough money to buy enough food to eat today. And a group of people walks by and starts talking about you. Right in front of you, not with you, not including you, just talking about you. Not only that, but they're discussing why you're cursed. Why you were cursed from birth with blindness. Was it your fault or was it your parents? And so Jesus answers and says, hey, it was neither, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Well, what would go in your mind at that point? Do what? What are you talking about? Is this the work of God? Blind my whole life? What are you you talking about? But he sits there in silence. I also want to point out that the man didn't ask Jesus to be healed. And also that Jesus didn't ask him if he wanted to be healed. Jesus just spits in the ground, 
makes some mud and smears it on the guy's eyes with no conversation. And then he tells him, go wash off in the pool of Siloam. And we know, we know how it turns out. We know what it says. We just read that sentence and back to back so we see how it works out. He, he does it. He comes back and he's able to see. But put yourself in his shoes. He didn't know that's what was going to happen. Jesus didn't tell him, if you'll go wash this off, you're going to be able to see. He just wiped spit mud in his eyes and said, go wash it off. Well, the guy's probably thinking, well, yeah, I need to wash it off. You just rubbed mud in my face. I mean, at some point, (laughs) yeah, I'm going to wash it off. And notice that Jesus didn't tell him that he would be healed. This could have turned out so many different ways. That man obediently responded. But what if he hadn't? What if he just got upset? Would we have blamed him? He had a right to be. It's like you're just talking about me and who, who sinned, me or my parents, and then you spit and rub mud in my face like, I'm just going to go home. This, is a, this has been a, a different kind of day. But he does it. And he can see when he washes his eyes off. His healing wasn't instant. He didn't ask for it. He had to go do something before he would receive it. Even though he didn't have a promise that he would be healed. But it turned out that he was healed. And he came back to give God the glory. There's another example if you flip a few pages back to John chapter 5 in verses 2 through 9. It says, Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. And in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew what he had knew that he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. So this man had been a lame for 38 years. He also doesn't ask Jesus to be healed. It's Jesus who asks him a question. Before we go on into that, I've got a question for us to look at here. How many times has God asked you something and you answer him with, a different answer than what his question was. That's what, that's what happened here. The, the man was asked by Jesus if he wanted to be healed. That's a yes or no question. But the man doesn't answer Jesus' question. He just starts explaining why he hasn't been healed yet. Sometimes God doesn't ask us a question at all. He just asks us to do something without explanation. Like the account we just read a moment ago with the guy who had the mud smeared in his eyes. Jesus just said, go wash it off with no explanation. He could have asked why. He could have argued. But he responded in obedience. The question for us is, how are we going to respond when God asks us to do something that doesn't make any sense? 
How many times do we respond to his request with a why or a but and give him the reasons why what he's asking us to do isn't a good idea? I had one of those moments just last Sunday. For those of you that were here, uh, we flipped the order of service last week. We, we had worship uh, last. We started out with the message. And I was, I was in my office going over the message one more time when the worship team was out here going through their set list and uh, just at the very end and they were finishing up and I was at the end of my message and I felt like God said, that's the response to the word. And just felt like he was saying, do, do, the, do the service order differently. My immediate response was, but... I wanted to explain why that wasn't such a good idea. And my primary reason was, everybody's not here yet. I don't know if y'all noticed or not, but people come in throughout the service and throughout the worship. Many times it's a pretty big difference on who's here at the beginning of the service and who's here when it's when worship is finished. And so I was like, well, so we're going to start the message and not everybody's going to be here. And I caught myself fairly quickly because I realized I've learned that lesson before. He didn't ask me why or why it wasn't a good idea or what reasons I had on, on the, my pros and cons list of, of whether that was a good idea. He just said, do it. And so I said, okay, we're going to do it and came out and talked to the, the worship team and we did. And God showed up in a very special way. One of the things that we talked about about that afterward was you could, you could say it worked, that we did that and God showed up. And what we'll often do with something like that is make that the new thing. If you'll notice this week, we did it back to the old way because God didn't tell us to do it again this week. He just told us to do it once. And I think a lot of the things that we find ourselves doing uh, as, as regular habits may have been something that God told us to do. But did he tell you to do it once or did he tell you to make a habit out of it? And so we want to respond to God's word, but we want to respond to God's word and just do what he said, when he said it, how he said it. And then listen for what he's going to tell us to do tomorrow, because the odds are it's going to be different. It's going to be something else. And just because he took you through a situation last time in a certain way, don't go into the next one assuming he's going to do the same thing or that he's going to respond the same way or it's going to work out like the last thing worked out because most likely he didn't promise that. He just said what you need to do today in this moment in response to what he's calling you to do today. Are we going to stick with our deliberate purpose in the midst of circumstances and trials and sufferings that don't seem to be going our way? And the question that we can ask ourselves is if we are Christians, what should our deliberate purpose be? It's supposed to be following Christ. So every time we hear God speak to say something or do something or to believe in a promise that he's made us, it's a test of our patient faith. It's a test of our constancy, a test whether we're going to stay with a deliberate purpose until we see the answer that he's promised. After this man didn't answer the question that Jesus had asked him, Jesus didn't ask him again. He just told him to get up, take his bed, and walk. The man was instantly healed. 
So the man didn't ask for healing. He didn't answer Jesus' question. And he didn't have to do anything to get it. Jesus just spoke and it happened instantly. Are you seeing the pattern? The pattern of inconsistency. There's another example found in Luke 13, 10 through 13. It says, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who'd been who had had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to the woman, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. So in this account, she doesn't ask to be healed. She doesn't ask, he doesn't ask her any questions. He just sees her calls her, and heals her. She doesn't have to do anything, and it's instant. She was disabled for 18 years. The other man was lame for 38 years. The first man was, was disabled and lame from, uh, or blind from birth. And later in that account, you'll find that he was giving testimony for himself, so he was at least 30-something years old. All of these people had dealt and suffered through those afflictions and adversity for many, many years. And Jesus encountered them and healed them in very unique ways. The last one that we're going to look at, we don't know how long these people dealt with this condition, but it was two blind men. It's found in Matthew 20, verse 30 through 34. It says, And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside, and when they had heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent, but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, Let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. So these two men cry out to Jesus. He asks what they want of him. They answer the actual question that he asked and say, we want you to heal our eyes. Jesus touches them and immediately they can see and they follow him. So there's four accounts, five if we count the woman with the flow of blood that we looked at on the first week of this series. And the pattern that we find, the one consistent thing, is there's no pattern or consistency. Remember the definition for patience and trials. Remember that part that's talking about constancy. A deliberate purpose that's not going to be swerved and doesn't give up. Each of these accounts that we looked at involved people who had been experiencing these adversities and afflictions and sufferings for many, many years, but they kept on. They didn't give up. And even without ever receiving a promise from God that they would be healed in their lifetime, they still kept their faith in God. There's two things that I hope we remember from these accounts and take from these accounts. And the first is when we find ourselves in the middle of trials and tests is that we won't put God in a box. We won't expect him to do the same thing the same way every time. 
I know many of you have testimonies of how God has worked in your life. I know I have testimony after testimony if I look back through the course of my life. And the one consistent thing in each of those is that each time he worked in my life, it was a different way. I encourage you to continue to have patient faith, a constancy in the middle of your trials and sufferings, in the middle of whatever circumstance you're facing today and that you find yourself in. If you're faithfully waiting on God for something, whether it's something that you feel he's promised you or if it's just something you're trusting and believing for. Every single one of these accounts that we looked at, they hadn't been promised by God that they would be healed. Yet they still hoped for it and received it. Many times we are promised something by God. He gives us a word, a promise. We can find many accounts of promises that God makes in the Bible. And one of the assumptions that that we always make and that the the heroes of the faith always made was that it's going to happen now. It's going to happen soon. And what we find in many of those is it took years, many, many, many years before God fulfilled the promise. I've said before, I don't know why God told me some of the things that he did so far in advance. To me, I'm like, it just made it harder. But it's this purpose principle from James 1. It's to build our faith. I waited for 20 years for God to do some things, and it built my faith over those 20 years. And I've jokingly said, you know, he could have told me six months before it happened. You know, it made it a whole lot easier, but that wouldn't have taken any faith. It wouldn't have built up that muscle. And that's what James is telling us. The testings, the trials, the adversities that we face will build your faith. It'll give you patient faith, constant faith that can stand up to the adversities and the affliction and the circumstances that we have to face in this lifetime. The other thing that I hope that we walk away and take from this morning's message and and really this whole series in general is the one thing that all of these had in common. And I said there wasn't really any consistency or pattern, but that's not completely true. There's one thing that was consistent in every one of these accounts and each one of the testimonies that these people walked away from. And that is every single one of them encountered Jesus Christ. It's the one thing that all of us need to encounter Jesus for ourselves. To spend time with him, to know him, to know he is with us. That's the foundation for us to have patient faith, to have constancy in our faith, to be able to have a deliberate purpose in what we're called to do and the primary thing that we're called to do is follow Christ. Our circumstances may never work out or unfold the way that we think they should or the way that we would want them to, but that's not what's important. The most important thing is that we encounter Jesus wherever we find ourselves. That we know him, that we hear his voice, and that once we hear it, we respond to it and do what he said. Jesus gave us the perfect example of this. We're going to close this morning looking at how Jesus demonstrated patient faith and this aspect of constancy or deliberate purpose that we've been looking at this morning. 
Jesus would not waver on his purpose. We're going to start out by looking at a prophecy in the Old Testament found in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 5. And it's up on the screen. It says, this is Isaiah's prophecy. He says, the Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting, but the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. This is a prophetic word about Jesus Christ almost 800 years before he would come. And Jesus fulfilled every one of these statements. Most of us are familiar with the fact that Jesus was beaten, that his back was whipped, that he was spat upon. But we may not be as familiar with the statement that we see here. He set his face like a flint. Flint's a very hard rock. And it's used figuratively throughout the Bible to express hardness. The toughness of an impossible task. And the inflexibility of unwavering determination. Set your face like flint is the words that God gave the prophet Isaiah to describe that Jesus would have unwavering determination to persevere in the excruciating task that had been set before him. Jesus Christ would endure humiliation on his journey to the cross to die for our sins. And nearly 800 years before it happened, God revealed to Isaiah the suffering that Jesus would go through and how he would face it. There would be no backing out and no one would deter Jesus Christ from accomplishing the purpose that he set out to face. He had set his face like flint. And Luke chapter 9 verse 51 is the fulfillment of that prophecy, of that particular statement. It says, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He determined in his spirit, in his heart, to go. That he was about to be received up to heaven. That it was about to all be done. And he set his face toward Jerusalem, determined to accomplish the purpose that God had called him to. Do you remember the definition of patient faith? Not swerved. From our deliberate purpose, approving a trial of our integrity, virtue, and constancy. That's what Jesus demonstrated here when he headed toward the cross in obedient faith to do and accomplish the Father's will. In, in reference to these two verses in Isaiah and Luke, Charles Spurgeon wrote these words. He said, come and think a while of him speaking of Jesus Christ, that your hearts may burn within you and that your faces may be set like flint to live and die for him who lived and died for you. He was saying that we should think on what Christ did for us and the patient faith, the constantly, the deliberate purpose that he demonstrated regardless of the circumstances that he faced and set our face like flint just like he did. What are we called to do? We're called to follow Him. One thing that Jesus did promise, I've said in the series, Jesus didn't promise that we wouldn't have suffering and that it was quite the opposite. He said, in this world, you will suffer. 
if I suffered, you will suffer because you're following me. That's what he promised. And he promised in the middle of it, he would be with us. That he would never leave us or forsake us. And with determination, we can live our life and die for Christ just like he lived and died for us. That's a powerful encouragement. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 encourages us to do the same thing. And I like how Eugene Peterson expounded on this passage in the message. He said, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Be encouraged this morning. Wait on God. Trust Him that He will work in and through us in ways that He's never done before. That He will be consistently inconsistent Just like he always has. It's going to require our faith be tested over and over and over again. But it's how it works. It's the only way that it works. And as James said, we can think of it and go through it in joy because we know what it will produce. It'll produce patience. It'll produce constantly constancy. It'll produce a deliberate purpose in us to not waver to what Jesus Christ has called us to and that we can follow Him wherever He leads us without wavering. And I promise you won't be disappointed. He will be with you. He won't leave you or forsake you. And we can trust Him. Will you bow your head with me as we pray? Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that you sent us the Holy Spirit to reveal your truth. I pray that as we read your word this morning, Lord, that the Holy Spirit was at work. I, Without a doubt, I know there's people this morning that heard your voice. And the Holy Spirit revealed revelation to them. Revelation that will transform their life. Or that you're at work in and through them. Father, I pray that our ears would be open to hear, that our eyes would be open to see, that our hearts would be open to receive, Lord. And that when we hear you, we'll respond obediently. And no matter how things play out, we'll keep the faith. We'll stay deliberate in our purpose of following Christ without wavering, without swerving. 
that we would trust you. Lord, we give you all glory and honor and praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Waiting here for God to communicate to us his very personal, individual plan he built just for you. And the process that he personalized for you to bring the most healing, the most strength for you and the most glory for his kingdom. What an amazing God we serve. A personalized plan just for you. Not the same as everybody else. I love him for that. A few quick announcements for you this week. Our New Testament 101 class starts again on Wednesday night. If you enjoyed that class with Tim and uh, Mark Price over at Common Grounds, it starts again this Wednesday night, 6.30, Common Grounds, New Testament 101. Uh, next Sunday, I know you've been patiently waiting, Jess McCabe, to start his Bible study back next Sunday, 9.30 a.m. in the conference room. Uh, last announcement is Saturday the 21st, we're going to have a mental illness, health wellness workshop with Amy Spears. It's going to be at the high school cafeteria. Starts at 630. Sponsored by Lampasas Ministerial Alliance. A long list of things that they're going to talk about. We've got flyers outside of the table. Pick one up. Take it for yourself or take it for a friend, a neighbor, a family, somebody you know that could benefit from this. Amen. Let me pray real quick. Father God, I thank you that you are constantly and consistently preparing us for what you have in store for us tomorrow. Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is speaking to us as individuals right now to show us, to encourage us. Father God, I thank you that you have a path set before us, that you've given everything that we need for us to be able to follow, to make us better, and to bring you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See Pastor Chris out to the right if you'd like to speak with him and be blessed this week. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 